Welcome to Entrepreneur Decoded, the show which reveals the habits, fears, failures, and joys of today's most inspiring and successful entrepreneurs seven days a week. Now, here's your host, Simon Sander. Another beautiful day with another great guest, John Boytnot, who's a journalist, a digital consultant, who has worked at TV, newspapers, radio, and many internet companies in the U.S. for the past 20 years. He's an advisor at Startup Grind and has written for NBC, Fast Company, Entrepreneur USA Today, VentureBeat, and many, many others. Welcome, man. Hi. How are you, man? John, I've given the audience a brief overview. Why don't you take it from here and tell us a bit more who you are, what you do, and what's exciting for you right now? Sure. Uh, I'm a longtime journalist. Uh, so mainly I'm working on journalism these days. Um, I'm, I'm writing about companies. I'm writing about businesses. I live here in San Francisco, so I write about sort of the startup scene, the startup culture here. Um, I also write about, you know, subjects related to business. So how to be a better employee, how to be a better manager. Um, and I also do online marketing as well. So I help companies with with their with their PR and, and and strategize on how to get you know their 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 latest initiatives sort of seen by more people. A lot of that is in the form of content. So I do help companies uh, write for their blogs and all sorts of things like that. John, that's awesome. I want to start today's episode off with your favorite quote. Do you have a favorite quote for us? Okay, so I definitely like a lot of different quotes. As a matter of fact, one of the, one of the things I do on my Twitter account, I'm. I'm at Jade Boitnot on, on Twitter, so it's at J-B-O-I-T-N-O-T-T on Twitter, is every so often, usually every other day or so, I put a new quote up there. And there's lots of different quotes, and they relate to life and business. So the latest one that I put up there, I'll just call it my favorite for now, because these things change all the time. My goal, you know, to just basically, if I see a new quote that I like, and there's a lot that are, that are pretty good out there. Uh, you know, if it resonates with me at the time, then it's sort of my favorite at the time. So my favorite at the time right now, is uh, don't cling to a mistake just because you spent a lot of time making it. And, and we don't even know who said that. I think that's a really good strategy to post your favorite quotes on Twitter. So you won't forget it and your audience will get a good glimpse of it as well. You said don't cling to a mistake just because you spend a lot of time making it. Why don't you take us through an example of how you've used that quote and how the audience could do the same? Well, I think that it's one of those things where you just basically notice it from from uh, your life as it's been going the last several months or several years. Uh, you know, especially in the startup world, people spend a, a, a large degree of time on uh, on a certain project, right? So they come, they they have a they have this uh, project, this startup that they're working on, this venture that they may be working on. Just using startups as an example. Um, they've been working on it a long time, and they eventually realize that it's not going to work. I mean, uh, I would say 19 out of 20 startups aren't going to aren't going to work. Maybe even more than that. Some say 90 out of 100, or or 95 out of 100, or something like that. That is really interesting. Why do you think that happens? Well, the main there's lots of different reasons, but I'll just quickly finish going back to the quote of the day, relating back to the quote of the day. The quote of the day, or my, my quote, actually, that, that uh, is, is one of my favorites right now, which is don't cling to a mistake just because you spend a lot of time making it. That's what a startup often is. It ends up being a mistake that you spent several months working on. So the important thing is it's, it's not just about startups. It's about life, right? It's about anything that you're doing. It could be about a relationship you have with a friend, 
a relationship you, you have with a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a husband or a wife, it may end up being a mistake that you spent 17 years on, um, it, you know, that relationship. Um, relationship with your company, if you spent two and a half years working with a certain co-founder, uh, it may end up being a mistake. It may end up not actually working and the whole thing blows up. I've actually invested in companies that, that turned out that way. And it's unfortunate. But the important thing to know is that you have to move on. So the point is you have to move on. You have to move on with your life. You have to figure out the things that you can learn from the situation and then do better in the future. So that's what the quote's about. And let's say that someone in the audience is running a startup and they don't want to make those same mistakes. What is the right approach? Is it by fixing your problems or something else? How can we fix them? That's not necessarily even possible. But the point is, is that you go in there and that you try. So... The reason why that happens is the actual reason is because the uh, mainly probably the main reason is that your idea for fixing a certain problem in the world doesn't really doesn't really resonate with people. It doesn't really work. So that's probably the main reason why most of those startups do fail. There's probably a lot of other reasons that can contribute to that, such as maybe you didn't raise enough money and you had to go and actually do something that made you money. So it was. So you had to leave your startup or something, you know, so there's a lot of other different reasons why your startup wouldn't work. But perhaps the main reason why startups don't work is because they don't actually uh, effectively address the problem that they're trying to fix or that there may not even be a pro there may not, that the problem that you think you're trying to fix isn't really a problem that most people actually have. And that's why uh, the movement, sort of the lean startup movement that's really related to the, the lean startup movement has has seen a lot of growth. And what that is, is that sort of. Uh, immediately testing to see whether people uh, resonate with your idea, whether or not they um, actually think that your idea works, whether or not they find that it can help them solve the problem that you think it should be solving. And so you do a lot of user testing and stuff like that early on, making sure that you get down to a minimum minimum viable product uh, that actually does solve a problem. That's sort of where the lean startup comes in. A lot of different people like Steve Blank and some others have come up with this idea and um, and actually teach about it in schools and things of that nature. But yeah, to answer your question, usually it's because you're not actually, A, solving a problem, B, uh, you're not solving the problem that you think that you're solving effectively. I think that's a perfect segue for our next topic. Every entrepreneur who has been on the show, we've asked the one same exact question from everybody. If you look back to your life, your career, please take us through a challenge or obstacle you've had in your life and how you overcame that. Yeah. Uh, especially when you're younger, you think that failure is the end of the world. And it's very, especially when you're in the middle of it, it's very hard to get over it. Um, when you're, especially when you're in your teens or your twenties, even in your thirties, before you've experienced a lot, you know, a whole lot of life. Um, and this is going to vary by person. So those aren't hard numbers, but I'll just say, especially when you're younger, when you experience failure and when you're right in the middle of it, it's really hard. It's really difficult. It makes you want to give up. The key thing is to not listen to it and actually continue going forward on whatever it is that you believe in or at least morphing what you believe in into something that accommodates the failure you just had. So um, take, for instance, one failure I had was I, got, I used to work at TV stations and I still sometimes advise TV stations on how to utilize their social media, for instance. But once upon a time, I used to work at TV stations. I was a writer. I've been, uh, I've been a, a TV show producer. I've been uh, – a, a, a TV reporter, in fact, when I, when I was in Southern California. I moved to Northern California to the San Francisco Bay Area, and I started writing for the TV stations uh, here in the Bay Area. 
one of the stations that I wrote for, um, is, it's in San Francisco, and we covered the San Francisco Beta Breakers, which is a really well-known uh, race that a lot of big runners from Kenya and other places go and they win. It's like a nine-mile race or something along those lines in the city. But because it's in San Francisco, a lot of people, you know, show up naked and things of that nature. Um, and crazy costumes, you know, because San Francisco, uh, you know, that's kind of the way San Francisco is to some extent. It's called Beta Breakers. Um, people all over the, this country have heard of it. Um, so anyway, some of the naked people got on the air, uh, got on live on TV, on the TV show that I was producing. So um, this was 10 years ago. So I got fired and the director got fired. Yeah. And so I had been working at this TV station for a couple of years. It was, you know, I had given my whole life, my whole being, everything I wanted. I gave everything I could to it. I was doing my hardest work. I was, it was everything I could if the boss would just give me one little, oh, you're doing a good job. That would make my day. That would make my week, you know? And then he had to fire me. He took me to his office and he fired me. So it was, you know, it was very, very difficult. So I, you know, for the next couple of days, I was sad and, and, you know, angry. And, but then I realized that I can't let myself stop. The only, so the thing I like to think is the only real failure is just is stopping and not trying anymore. Because then you've given up and then you have failed. What you have to do is just keep on going. If you have a dream, you keep on trying to achieve it as best you can with what you know. So I ended up applying for jobs at other TV stations. And it wasn't that long before I got a job at another TV station. And then that TV station wanted me to write for their internet site. So I wrote for their internet site. And then that led me to doing social media for them. And that led me to a new job for a different company where I did social media and I did writing and I did all, that led me to the next 10 years of my career where I found more success than I had ever had before. The point is, the, the point is if I had given up and decided to just you know, not try anymore or to be mad at the people who fired me or mad at the situation, then I would have missed out on all the opportunities that came my way over the next 10 years. So, the, so there you go. Interesting. How about the other end of the spectrum? Maybe when you were the happiest in your life. I know that you've had a lot of moments like that, but could you... Talk us through one of them. Yeah, sure. Uh, okay, so right now, one of the happiest moments in my career. I mean, I could go back to, uh, you know, so one of my dreams early on was to be a TV reporter. So I would say one of the happiest moments in my career was probably when I was uh, 26 years old and I did a live report on TV for the first time. And then the the, uh, the anchor woman came came up to me afterwards and she said, what a great, what a great job I did. So that was, I felt like, achieved a really big goal. So that something like that is, is really good. But uh, also there, there are other times when uh, I feel like I've a, a achieved a, a goal, such as uh, when, I, when my work was published in the New York Times for the first time, or when um, my work was published in, uh, in the San Francisco Chronicle for the first time, which, it, which, which is my hometown newspaper, which uh, I never expected would happen, but that happened. So different things like that have happened and, and have been great for me. So there's three things you mentioned when you were 26 years old and there was a live report on TV and you killed it. Second, when your work was published in New York Times and thirdly, when uh, your hometown newspapers covered your story or you were featured there. That's awesome. What kind of advice would you give to people who want to get featured in those magazines? New York Times, Huffington Post and all those other magazines. How should they approach that? So the way I would recommend if you want to write for those magazines is network, network, network. Uh, if Depending on the publication that you like, become an avid reader of it. Read it often. Make sure every single day you give yourself a little bit of time with that publication and you actually read a couple of articles. Sign up for one of their newsletters. So get on their marketing list. 
That way, if this publication, such as Inc. Magazine, uh, Inc.com, where I write most of my time, or Entrepreneur, where I write quite a bit as well, if you if you become a fan of those organizations and you become a fan of their of their material and you get to know their writers and the 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 material that the writers produce, and then you get on one of their email lists um, because you can sign up for a newsletter, then they're going to tell you whenever they have. Uh, uh, one of their conferences and they make a point to have conferences because they want to be able to interact with the people who are their fans. Some of those conferences are going to be near where you live possibly. So um, especially if you're in America. So um, you're going to be able to go and actually see these, go to the conferences, meet the people who work for these magazines, develop a relationship with them. And then actually possibly in the future, you follow up, you'll be able to write for them uh, if they like your work, if you have a good uh, background of writing and it, you know, you've been in different publications and things like that. Outside of that, I would again, it's all about networking in your local area. You want to make sure you meet all the people who are involved in your field of business or related to your field of business. Get to know them and possibly work with some of them, and uh, you know, get to know all the all the people who are in your field as much as you can, who live near you, and then branch out and go to other places as well. Don't be afraid to move, um, and just build your network over a long period of time. One thing I have found is. If I have a job, I'm afraid I'm going to lose a job. I've discovered that just because I get to know a lot of different people and I really enlarge my network, that makes all the fear of losing the job fall away because I know I can find another job very soon if I were to lose my job. So that you know, it frees me up, makes me feel more confident, makes me less afraid uh, and, and more able to just go and pursue what I want to pursue because I know that I am my own force in the world. I've met people and I have uh, connections and they're going to they're going to be like a safety net that that's underneath me so that I never really fall. After all, we like to take shortcuts and I can imagine just how many emails you get every single month about uh, new products or services that they want you to cover in a newspaper. What do you think about that? Well, I, I think that, you know, that may work once in a while. And so it's I'm not a huge fan of it. It doesn't work with me when when people it doesn't usually work. But sometimes it will. So, you know, for instance, when I get pitched 50 times a day, different people uh, talking to me, you know, I could go to my email right now and, and tell you different things that people are are, are attempting to pitch me on. When, for instance, um, uh, these people are, are uh, pitching me on how to get 10 times your current content marketing results. They have an idea for a story. They have their expert and they want me to talk to the expert. Um, so usually a lot of times it's PR people, most of the time it just doesn't work at all. So I'd say out of the, out of the 50 that I get per day, I, it's maybe once every couple of days, I'm interested in something that I see and I'm not able to give that much time for each thing that I see. So, but if it resonates and corresponds with something that I'm working on right now, then it, it it's something that may get my attention and I may want to reach back out to them and try and arrange an interview. For instance, uh, somebody pitched me the idea of a virtual reality headset that helps people see how poor people live. So since, so since I've been, yeah, so they want to come in, they want to show it to me. Um, let me see how she describes it here. Uh, people can use the VR to experience what it's like in some of the world's most poverty stricken countries. They can place you in the shoes of a low income individual from a rural community in Malawi to share what it's like to live with hardly any food or resources 
with the goal of educating people on their. Interesting. Tell me, how does that work? Uh, it's, a, it's a headset. I, I, I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. They want to come and they want to show it to me. That sometime. is amazing. Yeah, so that's interesting. Yeah, so it's probably a headset. They take the phone, they put it in, in the headset on your face, and they make you see what the living conditions are like of the poor person. But we'll, we'll see. But so I'm doing a, I, I've been doing a series on um, underserved communities throughout the world, underrepresented communities around the world. I'm doing articles. Uh, I just did, just published an article in Inc. about about a program helping deaf people. Um, going to be doing one uh, for bipolar people. Um, you know, different stories on uh, African American kids learning uh, financial responsibility through the program of one company. Uh, so different things that are helping underrepresented communities, communities that have gone neglected for a long period of time and that need transformation in this world, where so much of the way that our society is set up doesn't work. So. This idea that she pitched to me uh, corresponds with that series of articles that I'm doing. So I reach, you know, I reach back out to her, and we're looking to set up an interview time probably next week or the week after that. But so my point with all that is, when you do cold emailing, which so many of the PR companies do when they're trying to pitch me, it can, it, it's not going to be very effective. It should never be your primary uh, way of trying to reach out to people. It can be one of the ways. It can be one piece of the pie. But you have to recognize the limitations of it before you get going. I want to transition to our next topic. I know you've worked with so many amazing people in the industry. What's the best business advice you ever received? I think it probably has to do with um, the not giving up and the continuing to fight um, and the continuing to go after what you want. Um, that so, sort of seems to um, come into everything in life. Um, if you believe in something and you have a dream uh, – of where you want to be and what you want to do, then by all means, if you're able to, continue to uh, go along that journey for as long as you can and uh, try and get there, understanding that there will be roadblocks along the way. Um, one thing I can, the, the thing that has struck to me, str that strikes me as being the most true for the longest period of time is that um, if you quit something, that's how you fail. That's the only, you know, if you stop something, Along your route, that's where the failure occurred. Now, I'm not saying that that's always going to be your fault. Maybe a mother or father passes away and you have to spend the next year taking care of your father who's elderly or something like that. That has happened in my life. That's hap that happens in millions of people's lives. Things happen that are outside of our control. We have to stop what we're doing that helps us personally and we have to go help other people in our lives because we have that responsibility. And that's good and that's honorable. So I don't view that as a failure. I feel like that's a special circumstance where you, you know, but by all means, after that, if you're able to go pick back up where you were and it won't be long, especially if your dream is right for you, it won't be long before you get back to where you wanted to go. One year is may seem like an eternity, but um, you know, if you have to stop your dream for a year and then return to your dream, you know, it won't be long before you get back to where you were. Uh, one year is just a drop in the bucket in that way. So, uh, but, so again, the, the main point that I would say is the only time you really fail is when you give up. That's the biggest piece of advice that I, that that's the most true piece of advice that I've ever seen. The only time that you really fail is when you've given up, when you stop. If you keep going, you haven't failed yet by definition. Let's come to present day. What does your average day look like? Oh, so my average day. Uh, well, I wake up in the morning uh, at around 8, 830. Um, I try to get at least a half an hour of no work, 45 minutes of no work, of relaxation, of eating, of having tea, maybe listening to the radio a little bit, just relaxing, uh, stretching, that kind of thing. Then I launch into work, usually around 9, and I work 
till noon or so. I take a half hour break for lunch, 45 minute break for lunch. Then I work a couple more hours. Then I have afternoon meetings. I might have meetings in the morning too, but this is just sort of an average day. So I'll usually get away in the afternoon for a couple hours. Um, I'll also maybe try and take a nap for 20 minutes sometime in the afternoon at 2 p.m., 3 p.m. or 4 p.m., maybe even 5 p.m. Then maybe another hour of work. Then I'm usually stopped for the day, and I usually try and turn off my notifications for most of that. I might, like at 9 p.m., come back and just check my email to make sure anything is different. But mostly I try to have personal time in the evenings. And then I try to go to bed around 11 p.m., midnight, right around there. Before we end this talk, I want to ask you the last question. What has been the biggest contributor to your successes so far? Again, it's an overall attitude, and it goes back to not giving up and continuing to to, – if you have a goal – continuing to try to reach that goal. Um, I think that that, and not quitting. So the, the, the key thing is not stopping because again, that's where, where failure comes in. I think also for me personally, uh, it's been very important to uh, make sure that I have solid relations with the people that I'm working with and that I'm in a good place with them. You, no one has success by themselves. There, there's practically no situation that exists where somebody found success in the world all by themselves. I think that was a really good answer. Let's wrap things up. What's the best way to find your line and connect with you? Uh, my Twitter account's best. It's at jboitnot. So that's uh, at J-B-O-I-T-N-O-T-T. That's the best way to reach me. John Boitnot, ladies and gentlemen, thank you once again for coming in. Thanks, Simon. Thank you for listening to Entrepreneur Decoded. For killer resources and free content, Go to entrepreneurdecoded.com.